before I ask this question, how do we change the pattern? Before I tell you, I want you to think of what you've tried before you've done this work, the psychical breakers who are already working with us, what did you try before doing this work to help you with these patterns, to help you with these relational dynamics? What did you try? Um, Demartini, Landmark, medications, therapy, courses, all good. Therapy, counselor, book, courses, podcast. Okay, so let me explain to you why. Addictions are usually our coping mechanisms to deal with the pain, right? So there's never an addiction without like a massive dysregulation going on that we're trying to liberate ourselves from. So uh, by doing this work, we address the root cause of it all. So how do we change it? Well, here's the thing. In order to change it, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it exactly as it is and then explain to you what that concept means. Okay. It's never going to change. The trauma bond that you're dealing with is not is not solvable through traditional methods. That's why doctors and everything will say you can't heal from this. That's why they will say that because those methods that you guys have all tried and you guys have listed here, it doesn't actually get to the root cause. The only way to heal this is we must take on a new identity. Let me say that again. We must take on a new identity. It starts there and I learned this when I was studying Joe Dispenza's work, and he talks about, um, you know, meditation and all of this stuff, and he would say it. But at the time I was studying his work, I didn't really get what he meant by it. It's like, you got to take on a, a different identity. You must take on a new identity because the strongest force in the universe is identity. If you have an identity with something, for example, let me give you an example. We had a, a Christian woman who was very, very uh, resistant to doing this work because her identity as a Christian woman was taught through her path that self-love is wrong, is a sin of some sort. Can you see that healing, which is to unify with the, these younger parts of ourselves, go against her identity as that person, that religious individual. Can you see how it's incompatible? That person won't be able to do the work. She's like, no, I can't do it. Other people were able, we were able to kind of show them through scripture that, um, you know, loving yourself through the eyes of Christ, that we are here to become like little children. And it's like, oh, okay. You have some scripture that validates my identity. So I I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. Yes, I'll do this work because it doesn't confront my identity, right? We must, must, must change the identity. So the first thing, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what I did. I became, I said, I'm going to break the cycle. I'm going to dedicate my life to making that the number one priority. Even if it meant, you know, I, I didn't work. Like I stopped working for six months and I was a workaholic. I am considered you could see like getting me to stop working was a trauma I was like <gasps> I'm gonna die if I don't have relevance from people validating me Dr. Nima you're amazing I couldn't do it that was exactly why I need I had to take on a new identity and so 
the first step is to understand what trauma actually is and dedicate ourselves to learning the practices of helping ourselves to become free of the trauma responses. That's what it is. That's what it is. People said, I'm so different since starting this program. Right, it doesn't just happen. Oh, I did it, it happened after eight, day eight. No, it's like a muscle. It's like weight loss. After about six weeks, it's like, oh, something different about you. After six months, it's like, whoa, you don't have to tell people you've been doing a program. They're like, they see you. They. The way that you speak, the voice, the prosody, the tone of voice, the intonation, the eye contact you make, the boundaries that you're able to set, it's all a natural res result of becoming a cycle breaker. We have to understand what trauma actually is. We have, to we have to have education. Rather than looking for a therapist to be our hero, we gotta become our own hero. Does that make sense? Is this landing for you? Because if we don't do this, I really want you to get this. If we don't do this, then it has very, very, very significant consequences to our children. Significant consequences to our children. And that little line there in the middle, that's being a cycle breaker. Can you see why I, being a father of a 19-month-old, why this is so important to me to dedicate to? Take a moment and write down what your takeaway is in that. What's your takeaway in that? Because we're gonna go into the education of trauma in just a moment. Professionals are guides, not heroes. Please get this. Before, I always wanted to be the hero, but that was my own trauma response. So I tried to be the hero and do the work for you, for my clients, which felt good because I got to be the hero. But then when it didn't work, because I can't rescue people, people I got to empower people to rescue themselves, then I would be the villain. So I was like, oh shit, Nima. Then I, as I healed my own trauma, it's like, Nima, you're nobody's hero. You're your own hero. Let them become their own hero. Guide them. Exactly, Lawrence. Teach Amanda Fish. That's how trauma healing works. It's not in the hands of professionals. I mean, you want to make sure that who you're working with isn't doesn't just have a plaque hanging on their wall saying, I have a psychotherapy PhD. You want to actually have them who've walked the path, who've walked the path, who've actually, who've danced with their own shadows. Right? Does this make sense? Beautiful. I need to break free from my own cycle first as me. I'm trying to rescue her though. Yes, Claire. Claire, if if the if the good question here to help my daughter overcome her trauma, self-harm and depression, I need to break my own cycle first. Right. Instead of Claire, you're the type of person that would send the daughter to me and I'm like, I don't want to work with your daughter. You're the one to do the work. We do the work. And when you do the work, you actually will help her, not only help yourself, but help her. Is, does this mean I'm trying to rescue her though? Well, if what gets you to do the work to start you off and to push you past your fears is that outcome, great. But after about eight weeks of doing it, you start to get, and I say this to everybody, because everyone tries, does the work for an ulterior motive. Oh, I'll do the work, but that's because I don't want her to leave me. Oh, I'll do the work, but that's because I want to find the perfect guy. 
I'll do the work, but that's because I want this outcome out there. That's what gets you here. But after about eight weeks of doing it, your intention starts to shift when it's like, oh, I'm doing the work just to be able to love myself, just to be able to feel safe in my own skin. That's the reward. The reward is not what I get from that other person I'm obsessed about talking about. It's about intrinsically being, oh, I'm okay with myself no matter what. So yeah, you could be doing this to rescue her. It's great to call it out. That's a part of you. That's a rescuer that always exists. It's your trauma response, isn't it? But whatever it fucking takes you, Claire, to commit to being a cycle breaker, that's cool. But one of the ways you'll come full circle is you'll be like, wow, not only have I been able to help my daughter, that's great, but holy crap, like I actually love myself. And bonus, I help my daughter too. That's how this works. Does this make sense? Makes sense, perfect. It's about the walk and uh, walk the walk, not just exactly. That's what your children want. Like, how do I teach my kids to love themselves? Like, do you love yourself? No, I fucking love myself. Oh, okay. You can't fake this. I can't fake the, the work with you. It's about authenticity. You know, it's about taking off the mask. Your kids want to see the vulnerable you, the real you. Does this make sense? Brittany, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> All right, so how do we do it? So the first way to educate you is to help you realize that trauma is not about the events that you went through. It's really about the event that was unable to, because of a lack of safety, to discharge. Big thing happened, big emotions, but because you had parents that didn't know what to do with their emotions, not, not their fault because they were at the effect of their trauma, they didn't know what to do and they reacted to their own shames and created circumstances where you were overstimulated and because they didn't know how to help you move through that and help you bring, bring you back to repair or repair from a conflict, it gets stuck in your body and you come up with all sorts of these strategies, fight, flight, freeze and fawn to survive. All of your behavioral issues are an attempt for the child to try to release all of this survival stress in your body. Let me say that again. All of these behavioral issues you're trying to send your kid to a shrink for to fix or try to fix in yourself are simply adaptations to all of this overstimulation stress in your body. It's your attempt, whether you're cutting yourself, picking at your skin, whether you're pulling your hair, whether you're at addiction, you're just trying to release all of this alarm out of your body because it, was, it wasn't able to discharge. It's still in your body. So going to a therapist every week for 17 years, telling your story, what happens to the effect in your body? It actually often re-traumatizes you if you don't have a trauma-informed person working with you. And every time you tell the story or then get triggered by activities that happen, everybody's trauma responses were triggered during the pandemic. Either continually in the background, because you haven't really released a trauma, you haven't dealt with a grief, you've had somebody die, you pets die, you, were, you felt betrayed at some point, you didn't know what to do and boom, here you are still feeling it. You get triggered again and again, and it's never 
in the past. It's now happening now. You regress. You turn into that five-year-old. Something is stuck inside. I like, I like how you put that. Everybody has regressed. That's why relationships have all come tumbling down and everything's unraveling. Because people, people are avoiding it. People refuse. They don't see how important it is to break the cycle. They're like, oh, let me just watch some YouTube videos. Yeah, that's great. That's just you're still dealing with it. And what happens is we fracture from who we are in order to be safe. These trauma responses, we leave our bodies. It's like the soul leaves the body and is like looking for love in all the wrong places. That's because the soul has left the body. We fractured from ourselves and that's where the mask comes on and we create all of these characters and personas to survive the pleaser, the superior. We put on a false self that has to be grandiose. I'm the best person here. Everybody loves me. I'm grandiose. I'm the light of everybody. So everybody tells me how awesome I am. It's like, boom, all of this false self to not have to deal with these painful, stuck survival stress. Does this make sense? So trauma has so many different colors. So take a look at this list. This is where small T trauma comes in, being a parentified child, a child that had to take care of the emotional needs, had to be a parent to a, to a, to a parent. Because mom or dad or both of them were in their codependent dynamic, mom was emotionally absent, usually in codependency situations that you see, the mother who's codependent to the narcissist becomes the narcissistic mother. It's a very common pattern that I see. I'm not pointing fingers at you, shaming you. I'm just helping you become aware. The codependent to a narcissistic father, classic example, becomes the narcissistic mother because she's so wrapped up in, in, in the love thing that she hasn't figured out that there's children there completely feeling, what about me? Emotionally absent, addicted, depressed, completely flat out right? Not to shame them. It's just, this is what happens. This was my mom. Exactly. So you became a parentified child. That's trauma to a child. What you learn is my emotional needs are not important. And you will repeat those patterns, not getting those emotional needs met in childhood. Well, that's familiar. Somebody secure walks in and goes, I want to meet your emotional needs. You'll be like, Ooh, gross. What the hell do I want to do with you? That's must be something wrong with you if you want to meet my emotional needs because it's in my body already that it's acceptable and tolerable. And that's what love is when I have to work for love. Does this make sense? No amount of therapy is going to break the cycle because it's in your body, not getting your physical needs met. If it was cold and they shut, shut off the heat or you had to, you were homeless for a while or you didn't eat certain meals. Your nervous system remembers that and it's not your fault and it's not your parents' fault either. It's just part of the cycle, right? Parents divorcing. I mean, it's traumatic to a child when you have two parents that haven't healed their traumas and are completely dissociated from themselves to have parents to understand and help them make sense of the experience and parental alienation will happen because now during a divorce, the parents end up acting like children with one another, unfortunately. And it, it's unavoidable. It just, you bring that out. And so we help people. I help people unpack. And a lot of times after doing the work, should I stay or go? 
often it's a separation. And when there are kids involved, the whole time, I remember, Mark, you're here. We're working together and you're going through some challenges. When I'm working with you, Mark, remember what was our intention? I said, the intention behind the work that we have is you and your ex-wife, you and your wife, whether you break up, let's say she becomes your ex, you guys have a few kids. You both are going to be at their head table when they get married. You're going to be at their head table when you get married. So the work we're doing now is all about preparing for that day when they get married, that it's a drama-free day, that it's a lovely day, that it's not filled with hate and spite and awkward to an already nervous couple. They have to deal with mommy and daddy. Like, who do I have to become in order for that to happen? That's how the work, it doesn't mean, you know, parents should always stay together. Sometimes it's a good idea to split, but this is really, really important. So look at this list. Who hasn't gone through something like this? This is like people who say, I had a great childhood. My parents, they really meant well. And they are like, this isn't to make them wrong. This is to acknowledge that certain things, emotional needs weren't met as a child. It doesn't mean you're being a bad son or daughter if you acknowledge that. We, we really have like this really interesting relationship with blame. So we don't, I don't want, this is not about blaming your parents. It's not about blaming you. Cause I know that how many of you guys have had mom guilt show up through this conversation or dad guilt and go, oh crap. Oh, I just, oh my gosh. And that's another thing that'll send you into a not good enough trauma response. And you'll use that as a justification to run the other way. And we see that a lot. Oh, it hurts so much. I'm like, this person is this close to consenting and committing to breaking the cycle, but she let her trauma responses just have her run the other way. And it, it breaks my heart. So this isn't to shame anyone, but we do need to have the conversation. Physical or emotional abuse, obviously, being the child of a physically or emotionally sick parent, where you feel like you had to step up and meet the needs of a, of a parent. This isn't bad, it just, it just happened. This isn't your fault. This isn't like to, to, to get pissed off. Yes, there might be some grief and anger that might come up in this conversation. Let that be there. Doesn't mean you're bad. It's just, you're, we're human. This is about looking at our humanity. And cycle breakers are just unequivocally committed to the actual outcome of breaking that cycle. If you don't and you go, can I try a few therapy sessions? Can I talk to you? Can I do a breathwork course and maybe that's gonna solve it? It's not, it's not, it's, it, it's unfortunate, but people are like, people are like, oh, I'm just, this is my last year. Is, is it gonna work for me? I'm like, no, don't, don't, don't do this to yourself. Don't set up the expectation that coming to a breathwork event is gonna unleash 40 years of responses from childhood. No, you got to take on a new identity. Is this landing for anybody here? Those of you who are trying to, you know, maybe just grab the last, I've just got to soak it all. Maybe I'm going to get it all today. You're not going to get it all today. There's no way. I don't have it all. I don't have it all figured out. I'm just in a process. I'm taking on this identity. And, you know, it's really cool to live not by duty but by design but it's not for everybody most people are living by duty 
you got to break that cycle.